Uh, I think New Year's is that time when we start to take stock of ourselves after the holiday season, and uh, we're not always happy with what we see. The the waistline is growing while the bank account is not. Uh, The cholesterol keeps going up, and so does the receding hairline. And so New Year's is typically the time when people resolve to start exercising and eating better, to stop smoking, to start putting money away for retirement, and to buy the latest hair growth treatments. But this is also a time when some Christians look at ourselves and say, what is God's will for my life this year? And am, I, am I headed in the right direction? Am I doing what He wants me to do? Should I change course in 2017? Should I, Should I go to school? Should I become a missionary? And I used to think that these were mainly questions that young people wrestled with when I was young and a youth pastor. But over the years, I've had many conversations with older adults who are asking the same kind of questions. And in fact, I ask these questions too. Does God want me to continue my education? Does God want Amy and I to continue to be foster parents? Does God want us to go to the mission field? And what makes these questions so hard to answer is that we don't want to simply be guided by our own wisdom and our own preferences. And so we struggle and we say, is this me or is this God? Because we want to be guided by God's preferences, His wisdom. And so how do we decide what God wants in our circumstances and how do we know that it's Him? Sometimes God speaks audibly to people or gives them a vision or a dream. I believe that. But most of the time He doesn't. So then when he does it, how do we know his will? And over the years as I've wrestled with this question, I'm no means have the final answer to this, but over the years I've found some helpful advice in Paul's letters to Timothy in 1st and 2nd Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor that Paul was mentoring. Uh, Timothy was serving in these letters, as Paul writes to him, he was serving in some very difficult circumstances. He was a pastor of a church in Ephesus, and he was also kind of a, he was an overseer of this network of house churches. Paul had planted a church in Ephesus that had grown and sprouted house churches all over the area. And so when Paul left, he put Timothy in charge. He said, Timothy, I want you to head this up, to make sure that you, you uh, appoint elders and leaders in each of these churches and just kind of make sure that things are being taught right. And that was a hard job for Timothy. Ephesus was a hard city, a lot of, a lot of idolatry, a lot of um, what we would call cult prostitution, uh, there was a number of people we see in these letters to Timothy. There's a number of people who had actually left the church, and now they were opposing Timothy. They were kind of they were fighting against him. They're antagonistic, and so I'm sure that Timothy occasionally considered, "Is this really God's call for my life? Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? Can I just go and settle on some little Mediterranean island somewhere and just hang out and drink pina coladas and whatever?" But Paul writes to Timothy, I think, to encourage him to remind him of his calling to be a pastor and to give him at least five different ways that he could know for sure that that he was doing God's will, that he was in God's will. And so as we read these, I think we we can actually phrase these as questions to ask ourselves to see if we are walking in God's will. And the first one is found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says, Timothy, my son, 
I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. Just pause there. Let me read it again. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. The first question to ask yourself is, what are people in my community, specifically in my church, encouraging me to do? What are people in my community, in my church, encouraging me to do? Paul here is saying, look, Timothy, remember how we as, ch- as the church, we as leaders gathered around you and we prayed for you. And as we prayed for you, we sensed God saying that you were called to be a pastor. And so we affirmed that and we, we actually commissioned you. We laid our hands on you and we commissioned you to be a minister. And so he says, look, Timothy, I know it's hard, but don't give up because we sensed that. And so take that very seriously. And so as we consider where God, where God is calling you, it's very important to consider what people in your church, in your Christian community, are encouraging you to do. Especially godly, mature, mature, mature Christians who know you well and who are praying for you regularly. Not just somebody who happens to pass by and say, hey, I think you'd be good at whatever, but somebody who knows you, you know that they're mature in their faith and they're praying for you. And as they pray for you, They say things to you and they say, look, I think that this is something that God has gifted you in. Now, these people are not infallible, but as godly, mature people are praying for you and as they give you advice, as that advice lines up and you consistently hear the same message from them, that's something to take very, very seriously. The second encouragement that we find from Paul to Timothy is found in the very next verse. Chapter 1, verse 19. He goes on, he says, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Second question to ask yourself is, what is God putting on my heart? What is God putting on my heart? What convictions has He put on me? What is my conscience telling me that I need to do? Paul is saying, look, Timothy, it wasn't just us as leaders who told you to be a pastor, as your faith in God was growing, God put that calling on your heart, on your conscience. You had a burden. You had a desire to serve God in that way. You had a conviction. And so even when your emotions are low, even when you don't feel like trusting God, even when you don't know if you should continue to serve Him, don't violate that conviction that He has put into your conscience. And so for us, we need to ask ourselves, as I wholeheartedly put my faith in God and seek to live for Him, what desires and convictions do I have? What do I love doing? What am I passionate about? What energizes me? What stirs my imagination and my emotions? Augustine once said, a famous quote, that if you love God, you can do as you please. In other words, as you love God and you put Him first in your life, it's not wrong to look at the desires that He has given you. They can be important clues to see what God is calling you to do, who God has made you to be. The third piece of advice that Paul gives is found in 1 Timothy 4, 14. There's actually two verses that are very similar, so I'm going to read them both. The first is 4.14. Paul says, Do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. 
And then he says something very similar in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And so the third question to ask yourself as you're pondering, what is God's will for me, is to ask yourself, what am I good at? What am I good at? Sounds simple. But Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, look, Timothy, as we prayed for you, God made it clear that he has given you gifts that you need to be a pastor. As we prayed for you, God said, I've gifted Timothy for this work. And so don't neglect these gifts, fan them into flame. And so for us, we can say, I believe, from uh, 1 Corinthians and from other passages where Paul talks about these gifts, we can say that God has gifted each Christian with certain abilities and dispositions that each of us need to serve Him in a unique way. You have certain gifts and certain dispositions to serve God in a unique way. But these gifts are not superpowers. They're not these superpowers that you're just automatically good at without working at it. They have to be developed. They have to be grown. They have to be nurtured and practiced. Think of God's gifts as aptitudes to develop a certain skill set. Think of them as you have an aptitude. You have an ability to develop a certain skill set if you put effort into it. So you have a natural interest and you have a natural ability to develop these skills, but you still have to work at them. You have to train and you have to practice and you have to learn and you have to get experience. And if you neglect your gift, the fruit that you produce from it will be very limited. In fact, Paul uses this metaphor of a fire. And he, 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 says, he, he compares Timothy's gift to these hot coals. God has given them, and if he fans them into flame, it will eventually build this big fire in his life. These gifts will grow. But if he doesn't fan it into flame, actually these coals could go out. And these gifts that God has given him could actually go dormant in his life and not be used for an example for myself of this um, would be public speaking. I, as I grew up, I, I loved to argue, but I didn't really think of myself as having a, a gift of public speaking. But uh, as a teenager, I began to go on mission trips. Every summer, I'd go on a mission trip somewhere. And so my church asked me to speak. We had a Wednesday night evening, Wednesday evening service, and they asked me to speak at that after a number of different trips. And most people would be freaked out by that, the idea of standing, you know, sitting up in front of a church or standing in front of a church and speaking. Uh, and they wanted me to do it for like 20, 20 to 30 minutes. That's, I don't know why they assumed that I could do this, but it, it didn't worry me for some reason. I wasn't afraid of the idea. I thought, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And so I'd make a little outline of, you know, things I learned and, um, you know, what God had taught me and then what, how that maybe could apply to the whole church. And so I would just go get up there and do it. I wasn't afraid. I, I knew these people. I'd grown up in this church and you know, I didn't need to picture people in their underwear or whatever tricks people talk about. That's weird. I think it make it harder to speak personally. So I don't ever imagine you guys in your underwear. Ever. That would be really distracting. But it was just natural for me. And so people began to come up to me and say, I think you're good at this. I think that you have a gift of being able to speak in public. And I said, yeah. I, you know, I began to realize, yeah, I, I do enjoy that. And, so, and I already felt called to ministry anyway. And so it seemed natural to go into the pastorate. But I had to work on that. 
And if I got up here and I, I, was con- I still spoke the way I spoke when I was 15 years old, you probably wouldn't enjoy listening to me on a regular basis. I had to grow. I had to nurture that gift. I had to get training and, and especially just practice. Practice over and over and over for years and years to develop and to strengthen that gift. So for yourself, ask yourself, what are my gifts? What abilities has God given me? What is my personality like? What do I enjoy doing and have an aptitude for? How can I develop these strengths to serve God, and how can I leverage them for his kingdom? What strengths do I have? Combine that with what I want, what I desire, but also what am I good at? Uh, if you had asked me as a junior high student what, what I wanted to do for God's glory, I would have told you, I want to play in the NBA, man. That's, that's how I can bring God the most glory. Uh, but by the time, roughly, I was a sophomore in high school, and that, maybe that was even a little too early. Maybe it took me even longer. But at some point, I realized that, no, this isn't going to happen. This is not what I'm good at. So be realistic. Be, you know, be brave and be optimistic, but be realistic too. Some of us aren't going to play in the NBA, so don't. Be realistic. What what do I want to do, but also what am I good at? What do I have some gifts to do? Paul's fourth reminder to Timothy here is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Paul says this to Timothy, he says, Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. I think to give us a little background, I'm going to turn to Acts, where Paul met Timothy, where it describes that. You don't have to turn there, but it's in Acts 16. Let's quickly read it. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystria, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystria and Iconia spoke well of him, and Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek, and they traveled from town to town, basically, and continued to do evangelism. And so the, the, the fourth question that I think Paul would ask us, that we should ask ourselves, is what circumstances has God put me in? What circumstances has God put me in? It matters what you want, certainly. It matters what you're good at, but also matters your circumstances. And Paul is saying here to Timothy, he's saying, Timothy, it wasn't just a coincidence that you had a Christian mother and grandmother and that you, met, that you and I met when you were young and we developed this close relationship and I was able to, to mentor you and to train you. That wasn't a coincidence. It didn't just happen. God planned for you to have that training so that you could get, then go and train others. All that work that God put into your life through me was intended for you to go out and to bless others. Your calling fits your life circumstances. And the same is true for us, for you. God planned the circumstances of your life, such as when and where you would be born, your culture, your education, your family, your income, your joys, your pains. Nothing in your life is an accident. And so ask yourself, what events in my life have molded me, have shaped me into the kind of person that I am today? And a couple ways to find that out is to ask a few other questions like, where have I been deeply hurt? Those are things that we want to ignore. But God often allows us to be hurt so that as He heals us, we can empathize with and share His healing with others. So where have I been hurt? What resources do I have? 
What kind of money do I have? What education do I have? What experiences do I have? What opportunities are right in front of me? And so many Christians, I think, get caught up in what, what we want to do someday, some ten years down the line, some big thing for God. But sometimes we just forget and we don't even notice the opportunities right in front of us. What needs do you know about right now? What are ways that you could serve and bless others right now in your church and in your community? Right in front of you. Right in front of your nose. It's not an accident that you're here in Torrance and in this church at this moment. God has planned it. Finally, Paul's final encouragement to Timothy is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And Paul says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have, been, have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the fifth question to ask yourself, and the most important one perhaps, is what has God already told me to do in the Bible? What has God already told me to do in the Bible? Paul says, look, Timothy, God's mission in Scripture is clear to make people wise for salvation. In other words, to help them understand the good news of Jesus so that they can respond with faith and be saved. That is God's mission. And Paul says, Timothy, God has equipped you through His Word to accomplish His mission. He's given you everything you need. So don't be a wimp. Don't be timid. Don't give up just because it's hard. God has given you a battle plan. Now do it. And so we need to read the Bible carefully and ask ourselves questions like, what does God care about? What is on God's heart? Not just what do I care about. That matters, absolutely. But what does God care about? And how how do those overlap? What is on God's heart? What is God doing in history? As I read the Bible and I get a big perspective, what do I see God doing consistently in history and talking about? And then how can I help? And this is where my gifts my desires, my experiences begin to overlap with what God cares about. Let me give you a final example of how this has looked in my life. Not to hold myself up on, put myself on some kind of a pedestal. Um, many of us will have stories, I think, of how God has guided us, but hopefully this will give you an example of uh, one way that God can do it. When I was 15 years old, we had a special service in our church. It was an evening service. It was a prayer and worship service for young adults, teenagers and young adults. And so we came and we worshiped together. And then we had some of the leaders in the church who were there who were praying over us individually. And so the leaders would gather around and just pray for us each individually, encourage us to seek after Christ, and uh, encourage us with maybe some things that the, the giftings that they saw in us. And so as the leaders were praying for, for me... One leader was praying and he said, I really sense, and this is going to sound weird, but I really sense that God has made you to be a father. Now, a father in God's, in, in God's church, but especially biologically, to be a dad. And he's just really given you that, that gifting and that ability. And um, as a 15-year-old, that, that didn't really thrill me. I, you know, man, I was waiting for like some really powerful encouragement, like you are called to missions, 
Don't even go to college. Just go straight to the field. And I was like, yeah, you're going to be a new Billy Graham or something awesome. But no, you're going to be a dad. Oh, are you kidding me? You're going to be a dad? Everybody's going to be a dad. Well, not, not everybody, but many of us. And so I said, that doesn't make me special. I forgot about it. But my mom, she, she, she types everything down related to me. She has this big old scrapbook. She, she put it in there. And uh, so I went on with my life and became a pastor, came here to Nova. A few years ago, I think I was 33 at the time, uh, so about three, three and a half years ago, I was just praying and over a period of months and saying, God, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm serving as a pastor here, but is there something more that you have for me that you're calling me to do? And I, I remember praying that one night, and I had been praying that. And in the middle of the night, I woke up, and I can't really explain to you how I knew. I just knew. I had this incredible sense, as, as aware as I've ever been, of God speaking to me and saying, your calling right now is to be a father. And he reminded me of that, of that prayer that I'd received back when I was a 15-year-old that I hadn't thought about for 18 years. And I just knew as clearly as anything that that was what he was saying. And so um, I got up and I said, all right, Lord, I'm going to try to be a really good dad. So I did that and, and was faithful in that. And, but continuing to feel like, oh, isn't there something more that I'm supposed to do besides being a pastor and being a dad? Uh, and about, I don't know how many months, nine months later maybe, uh, a woman in our church, Jamie Bowman, uh, got really excited about foster care and brought in a couple uh, state workers and county workers to talk to our church about foster care. And Amy and I were excited. We thought this could really fit with our calling as parents, as uh, ministers. But we only had a two-bedroom apartment at the time. And we said, this, we found out you can't have foster kids if that's the size of your apartment when you already have kids. And so we said, well, all right, that's not what we're supposed to be doing right now. And so again, put it off, continued serving God at this church. And probably another nine months went by, maybe six months. And I was, it was the end of the year, it was in December. And I was praying again, and it was the end of 2014. And I was saying, Lord, it's the end of the year. Is there something more now that you want me to do, that you're calling us to do as we transition to the next year? And Amy was fasting that day, with, and I, I should have been fasting, but I don't fast so well. So she was more holy than me. But I was praying and eating. Um, <laughs> I think I fasted for maybe a couple hours. So. <laughs> anyway, so that aside, but as we were praying, we both really sensed foster care again was something that God was putting on our hearts. And so we said, Lord, all right, if this is something you want, then you're going to have to provide a bigger place for us. And the very next day, uh, some friends of ours told us that they're moving out of their house, that they were renting from another couple at this church. And I said, well, I wonder maybe... Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much they're paying for rent, and I don't know if, you know, if, if even this other couple would be interested. But we called them up, and sure enough, within, I think, a month, we moved into that house, and we began the process of foster care. And We've had a number of, a number of kids now since then. And so for me, uh, I think this is kind of fits kind of what I've been talking about today. As a, as a 14-year-old, I, or 15-year-old, I had these men pray for me and kind of give me a prophecy, kind of say, this is what we think God has gifted you to. And then as a 33-year-old, God spoke to me and said, this is what I want you to do. And then um, just moving on from there, my, my desires grew for this, to be a dad. Um, people were encouraging me to do it. My gifting seemed to line up. My circumstances lined up. And then fifth, and most importantly, in God's word, I saw that he cares for orphans and for widows. And that's something that God had wanted us to do. So all those things kind of lined up. And it doesn't mean that I know exactly what I'm going to do in the future. Maybe this is just a temporary thing. But it's one way that God has led me, and I'm sure many of you have stories like that. Or, if you're just in the process, I want to encourage you, don't be impatient, 
but continue to be alert for how God's leading you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who speaks and who leads his people, Lord. We know we probably couldn't handle too much, too much uh, supernatural intervention um, because we're prideful people and we're fallen, and so you lead us gently as much as we're able to handle. But we thank you, Father, that as we rely on you, you will lead us faithfully, and you will bring us into your calling for us. We don't have to be anxious about that, Lord. Um, we know that we are going to fail, and um, we're going to miss opportunities But at the same time, you're going to continue to be faithful, continue to lead us and guide us. So Lord, help us to fan into flame the gifts that you've given us. Help us to look carefully at our desires as we put you first, as we desire you above all else. Help us to listen to what people are saying around us to us who know us well and help us to really listen to your word and to see how you're working in our circumstances. We praise you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you most of all, Jesus, for what you've done for us that you've made this possible by dying for our sins, by rising again, that you are a risen Lord and Savior. 